0: And now, part two: people add value experience with Fran Kamasi. That's true. Um, so, so, so after the journey, um, I, I, I'm curious about two things. But one, I want to ask about the uh, where, where, because I don't want like help me with the gap here. Where does the tiny home part fit in? Yeah, is that I'm assuming that's after the walk. Yeah. So during the walk, well, kind of post is like,
1: wow, I can live out of four cubic foot um stroller. Like I don't really need that much. And I don't remember if maybe I was watching something and YouTube, you know, while I was in the tent or at a hotel and I just I was like, oh the tiny house are cool. And I, I'm in my twenties, I was like I set my mind some to something and I just do it. And I liked I genuinely like just things that are are not on the fringe, but you know, my current obsession is Japanese key vans and maybe one day I'll have one of those. But back then it was uh, tiny houses and it was on the, the up. So people just started um, doing them. And I, I think maybe I saw one or two along the way. Um, but I was like, all right, I don't need to live in a house. If I have space, I tend to fill it. Because when I went back, I think I moved back to my parents and I moved in with my brother. And all of a sudden, I just have the space and I have crap and I just fill it and I didn't use it. And it was a wasted space. So uh. I'm like, there has to be a better way to live that is uh, more efficient um, and, and just easier, right. easier to maintain, uh, I cost less, and then I can do the things I want to do. Right. I don't have to like sign a lease. All right, I'm going to be gone this many days. I'm wasting this money. It's like, uh-huh. all right, build the tiny house, pay it off. The, the one, you know, we can get into it, but wasn't super mobile. Had the ability to move, but that wasn't really the point. Um, so that's realizing that I didn't need that much.
0: So, so I guess how do you bridge the gap from the skill set of building like blocks, right? Concrete blocks and forklift to actually building a home, like even though it's small in scale, but how, how did those skill sets, did they translate or did you have to learn something else? Have some friends? So,
1: so I went to college and I have a degree in fine art and I had a, a friend that would share studio space. And one day she looks at me and she's like, you're not really an artist. And I was like, oh, that kind of hurts <laughs> four years. Punch into me in an the art face. Degree. She's like, you're a thing maker. I was like, yeah, that's, I like that. I am a thing maker. I like everybody thinks art. They think, you know, painting, drawing, sculpting. And I liked, um, installation art. I liked redefining a space either with color or form. Um, I saw my walk and and, and that taught me how to think differently. Um, and I saw kind of walking as this thing, creating this, this experience. And I've always been somewhat handy. Um, and I was like, I want to build a tiny house. Like it makes sense. I can build them. That was part of the allure of it was I get to learn how to do this. And so we're just kind of the same way the walk happened. Research, 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 pulled the trigger on buying a trailer. And once again, my parents were supportive of it. Um, and yeah, we just started by buying a Was trailer. it
0: parked out like in the fields, like in your property. Is that where you started?
1: Uh, yes, it was parked in one of my brother's barns. Okay. And I just went through, um, tumbleweed tiny houses. They had literally a website of how to build a tiny house. I just followed that. Wow. Yeah. And the first thing I did was, yeah, get insulation. They built them specifically, um, for tiny houses. So the bed is lowered and then the framing is, is on top. So you could put insulation Ah. where the, you know, the bed's not on top and you know, you have to build something. So my brother and I, we bought it, drove out to Pennsylvania, um, and picked it up in Amish country, which was really cool. And, uh, it was a terrifying experience to tow a trailer when you've never towed a trailer. (laughs) You know, you just paid
0: thousands of dollars for this thing and you're, it's bouncing over the road. Yes. yes, Yeah. I, I may or may not. So in the military, right. We have a couple of things and I drove around and towed some stuff, but the first time towing towing was when we bought our RV, which was 43 and a half foot long. Huge. And so, Driving that with a dually all the way from Florida to Vegas and then back again to Florida—worst
1: tension headache you've ever ooh, had in your life.
0: Oh my goodness! I mean, luckily that the dually handled that pretty well, but yeah, I mean that's like that's literally your whole house. Yeah, like you said, right? Like yeah. that's your whole house back there, and and then when you fill it up, it gets even more. Like yeah. now your stuff's in it, so yeah. empty you're like oh, okay. I mean, again, you're still stressed out because all that money and that's, yeah. that's where you're gonna live. Yeah. So yeah, I completely I feel you on that one. Um, so I because because we talked about it earlier, you. You were on mm-hmm. was it Tiny Home Nation? Is that yeah, Tiny House Nation. Tiny House Nation. How how did that come about? Um, so we were building
1: it. I was loving the experience. I was on Facebook and the side ad came up. Like, are you thinking about a tiny house? Are you building a tiny house? Um, we're interested in your story, just an ad. So I sent an email and I got an email back. Um, I cause I sent them pictures too of where I'm at in the process. And it was a television show that was going to be on essentially it's called FYE. Um, and it was just interview after interview. They kind of see how serious you are. What have you been doing? Like, so they would do like a Skype interview with me. Then they would say, Hey, can you get five friends? You got to be out of the room. We're going to interview them. We're going to interview your family. We're going to interview all together. So it was like five or six. Oh my goodness. Video interviews. And then, um, while, while I was meeting this, is, things just go like this. It's crazy. how connected <laughs> I was in Ohio. And this is the time when I met my wife, I got a phone call. They're like, we want you on the show. I was like, are you serious? Like, yeah, we want you on the show. And it's great. Um, let's do this. What do we need to do? So they sent out producers weeks beforehand and they sat you down and you feel like you're being wooed, you know, cause I think they say what you want to hear. Cause I said, I want to learn how to build these build these things. I want to be hands on. I want to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. You're definitely that's part of the show. And that was like, couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> it, it, wonderful experience. So happy. We did it. Um, so they came out,
0: how far along were you when, when I had a sub you?
1: floor? Oh, I, I had a sub floor. That's it. That's so you it. didn't go, you didn't no. frame the walls, nothing nope. yet. I planned six to eight months to build this thing. Cause it was me, my buddy, Brian, my brother, anybody who wanted to help in the meantime, and uh, I planned six to eight months, and they came out in ten days and, and, and built a tiny house. And the experience was, like I said, wait, hold on, yeah,
0: hold on. So you built six to eight months was your plan. Mm-hmm. They come out to start filming, yeah, and you had to do it in ten days. I didn't touch that house. <laughs> And that was so disappointing
1: because they like the backstory, you know, <laughs>
0: they, and, and they used your backstory and then they're like, oh, hey, the walk- hey, Fred,
1: get your team together. Let's go. Ahead. <laughs> so, so one, at one point they brought in an empty trailer. Okay. And they, they filmed it in my father's, uh, stone yard. So my brothers were in it. My father was in it. Oh, that's cool. Um, they, they brought in an empty trailer with like a goose, uh, a, a plank at the end, you know, the one that go down for the. You can drive things out. Sure. So you're. this is the trailer. You're the camera people. I'm looking at this. 20 yards behind you is my three-quarter built <laughs> tiny house. And they're like, pretend this is your trailer and that you don't know what you're doing. They literally tell me that. Like, just say you bought this and you're in over your head and you didn't realize there was a slant in the trailer. As like my tiny house, I'm l- looking at it. I'm not kidding. Oh, and I was like, okay. Oh, my gosh. That is this hilarious. is making so much sense about how things are done. They end up not using that. They ended up not using that. But what was really interesting, uh, you know, they take a picture of you every day in your clothes and then you film, you film, you film the next day they come, "Hey, we actually went back and when we were doing, you know, some editing, that didn't work. So, can you put this this
0: outfit on cuz we got to refilm that." It's it's funny. Do you ever watch like The Voice with, yeah. you know, all those folks and they they have through the whole season. Well, and, and I know they like, they cut, so they'll film like hours upon hours and then they cut. Um, and they'll make that a couple of episodes, but I know for, it's sort of like, do you remember Steve jobs and he always had the black turtleneck? Yeah. So I like, that's why I wear this shirt. I don't yeah. have like one. I have like 15 of these things, yeah. you know, with kid puke. anyway. Yeah. So it's like, it helps out, but like that's, that's, I bet their wardrobe, they probably have 10 to 15 of the same exact yep. everything from head to toe. hundred percent. So and because of that, right? Editing. And it's so funny if you, and I know you like movies like I do sort of, but like when you go back and look, I always look at clocks. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah. clocks are like the tail, tail, tail sign. Like if someone's a really good editor, they'll go back because you can look at yeah. Wrist watches. <laughs> yeah. watch, but anyway, um, and or the clocks on the wall Yeah. and you'll go back and then you can see, cause it'll be like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They go to the other person. Then they go back to that person, yeah. and you look back at the clock, and it'll be like yeah. hours off, yeah. like not minute, like hours off. You're like, okay, horrible editing. I
1: always look at glasses with ice and straws because that straws, yeah, it's
0: going left and right. Well, it's funny because I didn't know this, but the, if you ever look, look now, they'll always fill them up the exact same level. Yeah, so they'll all be, they'll have five different people, five different glasses, especially on the, the really corny TV shows that are out there. But yeah. they're all the same level; yeah. and they never change. Yeah, and you're like, okay supposedly an hour or two has passed and this and person's they're... like dehydrated now or like, or they're drunk and they haven't drank any alcohol, yeah. you know, like what's going on here. So there's and,
1: movie magic. And it makes me think of like the genius of Napoleon dynamite when he's putting cheese on his nachos. And it's just like, goes like this. <laughs> it's so obvious. Like they're just making fun. Uh, yeah. But, so yeah, it, it, it was, I'm, I'm happy we did it. Um, they built me a house I could never build. Um, I was supposed to be the pilot episode of the series. That was the intention. Um, they didn't... I love the guy that was the host, Pete. He's an Australian guy. Uh, and he would call me afterwards after the show was done. Hey, how you doing? Uh, how are things? How's your family? He would sit with us hours after filming. Uh, and the crew was wonderful. The whole thing was positive. There was, there was really nothing negative about it. Um, there was some... I felt some manipulation, which I didn't appreciate. And I kind of called him out on it. I said, "This, you know, this doesn't feel real. Like you're asking me to say I didn't think about this. Right. Like I spent six months, five months walking across the country and six months researching. And now you're going to portray me as someone who didn't think about where am I going to put my golf clubs? Yeah, like that's not important to me. Uh And uh, they're like, you know, rain came. That's what happened. It was like four days of rain. So they had to stop filming. They flew back to L.A., did some editing. They came back and like, you know what? It doesn't look authentic. It doesn't look real. Um, So let's refilm some of this stuff. And you want to live in a tiny house. You're passionate about it. You got started. And you just want help finishing it. You want, you know, you want to live in time. Okay, that's a great storyline because that's what people do. Like, I'm not stupid enough to think I can live in 148 (laughs) square feet overnight. You know, I thought about this.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that's important, right? And so that's the same thing I try to do. You know, with with this. You know, the people I've experiences. I want to be authentic. Like, I, I don't, I don't want. And you know, a lot of folks and they'll talk about scripting and they read scripts and which I think is fantastic and I think that's really good. And if sometimes if I'll do like a one on one, which I are, are just me talking I'll yeah. try to do a script, but a lot of the times the flow of the conversation and just like oh that reminds me of this reminds me but if, yeah. if you're so strict in format you know unfortunately you don't have yeah. that opportunity yeah. and people catch that like people will will sniff that out in two seconds yeah. like, or you're not being authentic or whatever else yeah. right so like I think that's that was really good on their part yeah um, to, to go no, back and, and I, it, that. it made it it
1: made the experience after that conversation better it made the the episode better um, if you want to watch it apparently it's on Hulu right now even though it uh-huh. was Nine years ago? Ten years How's ago? How's the
0: hair in that? How's the...
1: Uh, they wouldn't let me pull it back. They wanted this like scraggly looking... Oh. Yeah, so I had long hair. I did like, have long what hair. What is that? It was post-dread, but then I grew it out again.
0: What's the word I'm looking for that? Oh, like new age type, you know, like... Yeah, uh, I, I, I went... Not quite them. hippie, but you know... It definitely turned into a man bun. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that so. man buns. Because, yeah. um, you know, remember yeah. my little horse tail, if you will. Yeah. So, okay, cool, man. So So you did the tiny home thing. Now... You, you you touched on a little bit. You met the wife, yeah, around this time period. Yeah, so yeah. I think and, this is an imperative transition into the little little
1: backwards. At in that same time that I was meeting her, I also was able to take a quick hiatus because I was working at the church at that time. So I came back from my walk. I had a job I hated at a residential facility. I worked at the church um, two years as a uh, assistant director, and then called youth pastor, youth minister. Or I like director just. Sounds nicer. Um, So three years there. So that going from that second to third year, I took a quick hiatus and I got a job at Truck America, the one I didn't get and really didn't pursue at 24. Thank God, because at 28, I was much more suited for this. Um, I would take people from L.A. to New York over the span of three weeks in a 15 passenger van and we would camp out or stay in um, hotels. But I got the same (laughs) the same weekend. I got the call that I was going to be on Tiny House Nation and that I got that job. Like, and then I met my wife and it wow. just, like, in the same weekend. So it was, it was wonderful. Same and that weekend weekend, like uh, two days. Yeah. yeah, day. yeah. <laughs> um, and that job was another one where it was just problem solving, decision making, um, your mom, dad, you're the driver, you're the ambassador, you're the,
0: so, I mean, did you get to tell like stories while you, while you did that a little bit or like yeah. I mean, about your journey? I'm assuming that helped out a little
1: bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean that you, these people, they're no americans on the on these trips they're all international clientele um, so they're very interested in the american lifestyle and them was there
0: was there any kind of uh, language barrier or, or very
1: rarely um most of them i think signing up and paying thousands of dollars for these trips they know that they probably it helps to speak english i did have a couple japanese passengers that had a, a fluency enough mm. to to enjoy and have a conversation Um, The hardest people to understand were the Scottish people. Ah! Oh my God. What do you mean they speak? Yeah. (laughs) But it was great. But yeah, that was, um, that was a great, great experience. Another just problem solving. Everything I feel like I've done is problem solving. Um, How long did you do that for?
0: Six months. Six months. Yeah.
1: And I I had four trips. I loved it. Uh, I'm glad I did it. I probably wouldn't do it again. It was the most rewarding, most stressful job I've ever had because you're on, you're driving six hours a day, you know, four times a week. You're going to cities having to kind of pretend like you've been there before when you've never been there before and lead a group of people. Um, Here's the famous
0: building, uh,
1: 30, 49. And then you're like, <laughs> you know, looking at that, your cheat sheet. And, but it, you were provided with a plethora of, of information to make that part easier. I remember a girl though in Vegas lost her passport and credit card and she was from Denmark. So I had to find the Danish embassy. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, it was like an hour and a half away. So I set my guys up. In vegas they had plenty to do her and i drove up she met uh, the ambassador or whatever it is i drop her off and they tell you don't go in parking lot, parking garages with these vans and i pull in and the gate shuts and i go through the first like part of it and i hear rrr, rrr. <laughs> oh no and you're you know you're, li- you're you're on the hook for these vans <laughs> oh, and it's just scraping no. the top just enough just enough i'm like oh my gosh what do i do what do i do <laughs> and i was like tires So I went and I let the air out of the tires (laughs) enough. It reminded me of my out of order days in the bathroom. I let the air out of the tires enough to drop it, you know, half an inch to get me out of the garage.
0: That's, you know, it's funny. I I mean, that's awesome because I always see those videos. Oh, my gosh. There's somebody driving like a bread truck or something in those garages and they hit the top and then they try to like accelerate and it's just ripping, ripping the top of that thing off. And then it's grabbing like air ducts that are yeah. in there. I mean, and sprinkler systems and just bad to worse, but who would have, who would have thought like, you know, just like they do an off-roading right for more surface area, but yeah. like to drop the actual height. So, Hey, that's a good lessons learned, right? For yeah,
1: That's what I mean. It was like, that stuff gave me confidence that, okay, I can, I can figure things out and <laughs> while dropping somebody off at the Danish embassy. Oh you know? my so, gosh! But so that, that job, um, it helped me develop skills, it helped me work under pressure, under stress. Um, you know, a little bit of fake it till you make it, some parts. And sure. Uh, just responsibility, You're responsible for for fifteen people.
0: And, so so you went now how how yeah, so the big the big gap here. This is yeah. the the talk of the transition. Go yep. ahead, go ahead. Yeah.
1: So it was um walk, working at the church, little you know, six month hiatus from the church to work uh Trek America, came back for the church for a year. Um and then that's kind of when the um, the tiny house was right between walk and Truck America. That was all like in the span. Uh, we filmed the show right before I left for Truck America, so I was able to live in live in it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I had to leave it for six months. Mm. Uh, did that job, came back. So that's when I met Kimberly in that whole little span of Truck America because she, on my last trip, flew down and surprised me in Miami. We had been dating three, four months at that point we were driving back so it's a great way to get to know you know oh yeah. your spouse nothing better and uh i remember driving this van i do know her so how many kids do you want <laughs> and i'm like i don't know like two three it's like i want seven and <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> almost going off the road holy yeah, Whole day. Whole day. yeah. yeah. Wow, wow
1: but um so then yeah we we had dated for a year and a half she you know knew about the tiny house because we met i got that phone call that weekend and we were able to talk about it um so then i lived in the tiny house for a year and a half up in massachusetts so her and i had been dating for a year and a half long distance she was getting masters at franciscan university uh, which is in steubenville ohio which is where her and i met when i brought kids out to a ministry called dirty vagabond Um, she was a volunteer and uh working for the high school ministry and when you're working with high schoolers and you're a single guy all the girls try and get you to do you see her? She's cute. Do you see her? Oh, she's cute. Yes. So they went, do you know our, our youth minister? And Kimberly was like, no, where is she? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hi. <laughs> and uh, it was something I knew it was different when, um, this is the age of texting, but I said, can I have your number? I would like to call you. It just it was kind of just this intuitive thing to say. And I think it caught her off guard because she's six years younger than me, seven years younger than me. And I met at 28. So she was 22. So she was in the prime of texting as communication. Right. So I think uh, she appreciated that. Yeah, and we yeah we talked and would visit, dated for a year and a half, and that was in. I moved down here with the tiny house in twenty
0: fifteen. Uh, so what drove? That's the the question. I hired somebody. It's no no no. Oh, sorry, I, not drove. Like, okay, the tiny house. My bad. <laughs> what drove the move to Florida?
1: Um, I think I was I I in youth ministry for us. Um, there's a sacrament called confirmation, and we do that in eleventh grade. A lot of churches do it in eighth grade. It's it, it's different times. So I had gone through the process with kids in 9th, 10th, and 11th. And it just felt like a great point too. I'm ready for the next chapter of my life being Kimberly. If I'm gonna commit to this, I'm gonna, I think I should move and be closer to her. So it was a good, I, I'm, I'm okay with leaving, working at the church. Um, in looking back on it now, uh, my friend Brian uh, had passed away tragically. Oh, sorry. Um, So best friend and that happened while I was doing Truck America. So that was a really jarring oh. experience. And, um, so I, I, at the time I probably didn't recognize that it was like, okay, I just want to be away from this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was something new. It was a tiny house that was going to be by the beach. Like how cool is that? So Uh, I didn't, I I missed it. So is Kimberly from? She grew up here. She went to collegiate. Oh,
0: I totally. Yeah. Yeah. Her dad was
1: 26 years air force. Oh, uh, she was born in homestead. Then came up here. Um, went through school here, went to college for a little bit and then went up to Franciscan Uh, she went to collegiate so she got her associates at 20 and then no sorry how does that work um yeah she got her associates and then her bachelor's at like 20 okay let me rewind you get your associates at 18 at the collegiate she got her bachelor's at 20 her master's at 22 holy cow yeah wow so she's she's very very smart yeah um and she's no, like, "Do no you want judgment. to move?" No judgment there, Frank. She's like, "Yeah, and no, I she's know I'm, I'm I'm an, I'm the good looking <laughs> one." It's fine.
0: <laughs> we all have to have our chance. That's, that's, that's awesome. But she's like, "So,"
1: and the funny part, she's like, "Do you want to move to Tallahassee?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." I'm like, "I'm moving to Niceville because she was working in Tallahassee because I'd visited her and we came down here for Thanksgiving and the wonderful family that she has. She's a half Filipino. Made me, you know, white people Thanksgiving. So there was a ham there, <laughs> um, and." uh, I was like, I'll move to, T- I'll bring the tiny house to Niceville. I can't move to Tallahassee. That's just like a stone's throw from the beach. Like, why are we going to live in Florida? If it, you know, okay. I, I visited, I like, I like Niceville. I understand She's that. Like, okay. She's like, I, I'll leave this job anyway. And I'll go. She ended up being a school counselor at St. Mary's Catholic uh, middle school. Gotcha. So then I hired somebody to tow it down and stayed on her relative's property out in Villa Tasso. Um, and that's how it kind of got down there. How long was that? Year and a half, I, I lived in it here because you
0: sold it because right? I know you brought it up to the brewery. Or something yeah, like. I brought
1: it up to to just get it out of there mm-hmm. and bring it up here, and then I had it brought back, and it's still sitting on my brother's property. But oh. as we speak, we're deciding as a family. I I, I don't see the house as mine. I see that as our, my family's house. Yeah. we're deciding whether or not to sell it wow. because right now it's just it, it's sad to see it sit there and not so, be used.
0: Out of an interesting, just you know, wet nudie, wet nudie, wet noodle <laughs> on the on the wall like there's all these people that are doing experiences now, right? There's the Airbnb, but there's all these people that like will go work at a ranch for so long yeah. or whatever else. Is there anything that people like maybe could do either like you tow it to Chris's ranch or whatever, and people could come and, and, do where that it is. and live in that for a while or even the, the family business. Like, Hey, do you want to learn about some masonry supply? It's sort of yeah. like a, I think that's asking a lot of other people
1: I if see. I'm not up there, if it were down here and it'd be like, we, you know, I talked to, um, Tim and jason and brian like hey what if we did an airbnb and you get a brewery tour and oh you wow can stay here? but we don't own that land so it was right. a liability that we couldn't couldn't take on I understand that um and it just makes me sad it's a family friend that wants to buy it um oh, it okay. just yeah and he's What's like you, he's like you can use it whenever you want like wow. i'm gonna fix it up and so it's uh like I said, it's a family decision. It's sad to just see it sit there. Oh yeah. And I think we associate it with such a positive experience with the the show. right. That to see it leave our hands. I mean, I'm going to tell them, Hey, I want first right of refusal. If you decide to sell it, we'll buy it back. No problem. Um, Sentimental value, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I did want, I had dreams of making it the world's tiniest brewery because right now I think the world's smallest brewery is like 155 square feet and the tiny house is 148. (laughs) (laughs) have the idea there's
0: there's nothing to say you couldn't do that just be like hey bro i'm gonna come out for a week knock this out and then now you have the yeah mark, <laughs> there right? you go that's it i just want a guinness but
1: that's a bucket list i want a guinness book a world record i don't care what there's it is There's all kind of weird stuff out there There is. i've
0: seen some i mean like one guy i was on a, one of the tv shows he was like smashing coconuts i'm like i mean just where do people anything come that doesn't somebody? cost me physical pain yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine that's pretty funny um so so now okay so you're in niceville yep. uh with kimberly yep and how, how did you get approached about, how did you meet, you know, Tim and Jason and, yeah. and get approached to start working in third planet? Third planet.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, I was literally driving down with my mother following the tiny house and Kimberly called and I, I, I don't know, I was looking into breweries, I think anyway, um, like Grayton and stuff like that, just cause I needed a job when I got down here. And once again, this, I don't believe in coincidence. It's just, god incidents you know sure the right people right place right time she's like my family friends that i grew up with in niceville are opening a little brewery and tim wants to know because she grew up you know with tim tim wants to know if you would want to work there i was like yeah of course i want to work at a brewery <laughs> like that's a brewery what 20 why would you not what 28 29 year old wouldn't want to work at a brewery sure so i show up with my toolbox you know and i'm like i'm ready to work and uh It's an old 1955 Sears Roebuck house. It's, you know, they're redoing it. They've been working on it for, you know, four or five months at this point and and just doing everything themselves. And once again, um, cement comes back and haunts me because the first job was digging fence post holes for like
0: (laughs) the first week and a half. So quick backstory. So Tim and Jason were both, I think, home brewers, right? Yeah. And that's how they sort of got into that. And they
1: met up in the Pentagon when they were both... Uh, stationed up there
0: yep and so they came down and so then at some point was it tim or jason or that's just a conversation like man your beer's good hey man your beer's good let's go ahead and see if we can find a small place to, to yeah start.
1: and i think tim was more homebrewing with jason i got you um but tim you know and jason i think was from here got stationed here i don't know how he his affiliation with niceville but tim just saw the need uh, in Niceville, there was nothing like it, you know, Destin's developing and there's, you got to cross a bridge to go get craft beer. Right. And I think when they were up in, um, uh, Washington, they entered a couple festivals and Jason's beer won some cherry blossom festival for the Hefeweizen. And I said, well, if we ever find ourselves both back in Niceville, let's start something. Ah. And, um, with, with Jason's beer knowledge and Tim's just commitment to the community, uh-huh. it was a perfect storm. And, uh, they talked to Dan Pettis who owned 120 Bistro. I think that was the heritage room. It worked out that they needed that space and it's, it, it's, you can ask for like more character. What's, in a, what's in the building. square
0: footage in that thing?
1: I mean, it's got what 300, maybe, maybe, I mean, I think it's... the occupancy is probably like 15
0: depending if you're asking the fire marshal or not. Yeah, <laughs> it could exactly. Be like it's like
1: half of it's gone with the employees. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we worked on that. I got here in October. I probably started helping them. I, uh, maybe two weeks in what year was that 2015
0: 2015
1: yeah because we opened in 2016 june 2016 i believe and the first night we opened we sold like 500 dollars worth of beer and we all looked at each other like this works (laughs) somebody paid for something
0: that we made so in that process of helping build it did you start learning the brewery process as well yeah so you were integrated in the, yeah. So I asked making Jason,
1: just teach me, you know, teach me what you need me to do. So at, at the time I had three jobs. I worked at a golf course, I worked at a nonprofit and I worked for Tim and Jason. And then once we started getting going, um, I slowly dropped the other jobs cause Tim's like, I want you here full time. We need, you know, this is working. We need somebody to be here. Uh, and Brian Detweiler, who's now our head brewer, also part owner. Uh, he was a home brewer that would come in and his beers just, insane it's it's so good at a homebrew scale it was great and i think he walked into our brewery and was like I, I can i can make this better wow um and he he came in and revamped the whole process and and i knew what i was doing just from like a repetition standpoint uh brian knows what he's doing from like a scientific standpoint because yeah, he was a teacher right he was a teacher at Choctaw a yeah. science was it a science uh, teacher
0: oh i thought i thought at least he was a science or biology no, i didn't he know just, it was
1: uh, I think he's kind of, <laughs> what, what do they call it? autodidact where you dive into subject matter? Uh, like when he goes home, I think he researches beer when he's work, he's researching beer. He just loves to perfect that, that product. Um, so what I, I saw very similar, uh, in my dad, I saw in Tim and Sue and Jason, uh, when it came to customer service, like we're here for, it's not us against them. Like it's not, you know, business owner, customer, right i'm right you're here to be in my establishment it was very much from the beginning niceville's establishment we were just blessed enough to be at the the wheel and that carried on because it created unity i mean just coming down here seeing the unity around the high school is very jarring for me because new england especially when it comes to sports uh-huh. new england it's, it's pro sports high school sports is kind of there um, but nothing to the degree that it is down here and how many people rally
0: around yeah that the south it depending on how you define the south yeah. south of mason Dixon, or whatever like the south cuz i grew up in texas and like high school football college football giant like i mean then there's that whole yeah. you know uh line or divide right where i grew up it was either do you like the aggies or do you like the longhorns right yeah. huge separation there yeah. i mean you couldn't be both you couldn't have yeah. and then, and of course <laughs> my dad drum from pa so he's like uh, a eagles fan not <laughs> a cowboys and you know like the phillies and just yeah. Penn state. and state so yeah. Like literally, just the the one little fish in the giant lake of Texas yeah. that likes the Eagles. So, yeah. it, it, and then you know, I've transitioned, and I, I I, while I did grow up under the influence of of the Cowboys and everything, I yeah. you know, of, and Eagles have been an Eagles fan for yeah. a while, Penn State. Anyways, um, so you it, it it is it is shocking here. Like we are, and by the way, we're pumping out like collegiate like level. Sports kids and World are, Series softball. I teams. mean, holy cow! Yeah, like it's, it's it's insane. It's pretty crazy. So, um, so the community, right? So it, yeah. it was built around the community for the community. Uh, so is that? I'm assuming that's what made you. So what did you say? 2015. So what are we? So at? We
1: opened in 16. Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah. Um That's a long time. Yeah, we're uh, well, no, it's a seven. So 16. So it was established 2015, opened 2016. So we're at seven years. So at
0: At what point did you start becoming involved in like the hiring process of, of getting folks? So that when I
1: went full time, um, Brian, I think was right behind me. If not at the same time, he went full time as brewer. So it was the, the launch pad location, um, Tim and two books kind of would serve, um, they were the face and, but Brian and I, Monday we would clean kegs, Tuesday we would brew Wednesday would do some maintenance and cleaning and then Thursday Friday Saturday we were open um, we were only open yeah three days a week I think when we first started oh. so we were kind of the ones doing all that um, and and Tim too and Jason filling in the cracks so we could just you know be open but it, it it was their baby we were kind of at their hands they had a vision for it and we were just trying to, to help facilitate that I think a year and a half in Tim was like, "This is this is really working, and I think I have an idea. I think I want to, you know, go bigger." And Jason so, wanted to go bigger. So, but
0: how? So with that, I guess so. You're saying at the launch pad, then the hiring was was pretty much just you know who you knew at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Tim and uh, Jason, like Jason's wife would come in and help. Kristen would help. Um, Brian Detwiler's wife. Uh, we hired you know a couple people, but it was only three days. It really wasn't too much. When we started expanding the hours. Then we started to bring people in.
0: So when you say expanding the hours, was that for the three days that you're open? Or yeah, because when that... we
1: started, it was just like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then we went to you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We always said we'd never be open Sunday. And I'm trying. To, I'd have to go back and kind of look at a Google calendar if we ever opened up on Monday or Tuesdays uh, in the beginning, because I really don't think we did. Um. So that was more of a collective when it came to the hiring.
0: So it took approximately a year and a half before you almost basically outgrew yeah the the space. Yeah. Or what is And I remember going, especially during the parades, uh, not the Christmas parade. Yeah. Um, I forgot what parade. What is the parade? There was the Christmas, Christmas parade. parade yeah. Where like everybody, because everyone's on that street right there. And so you'd go in, have a beverage, yeah Tim out, and watching the,
1: Breakfast burritos for everybody. Uh, phenomenal, and yeah, little it, buffet it, thing yeah. going on. You had an excuse oh. to have a beer at like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah there's, yeah,
0: there's an excuse to have a beer at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm pulling up like a- template here so yeah you're fine uh just to go through that make sure i'm not missing anything because i i feel like this is an imperative part of the conversation so which is funny we're actually doing pretty good here um so so you move so how how did the strategy go were you part of the strategy going okay we're outgrowing this this area here um as far as like square feet and just being able to pump out the necessary amount of of you know beer for people to drink yeah Um, How did y'all finally decide and go, okay, we need somewhere and then you have to approach like, hey, we need this amount of square footage. And then, you know, that whole, in in my head, right from a strategic business standpoint is we're going to increase percentage probably 15 to 20% due to the trend of microbrewery right now. So we can't just buy for what we need in like the next year or two. We need like the next five, yeah. 10 years or whatever. Yeah, were you yeah, part of that yeah. like thinking process or?
1: So not, thinking back on it, no. Because I, I think there's so much to do. Um, it was great to have the trust of, of Tim, Sue, and Jason and Rachel to, to run that while they were getting all the, the nuts and bolts of the new place. Because um, with Pat Burns, who owns the land and the building, we lease it from him. They were really in charge of that. And it was nice because then they left us to kind of run the tap room. Um, and yeah, we'd go and we'd visit and we'd see the structure. And the structure actually was there like 20 years ago as a nursery. You know, it's a greenhouse. Then it was picked up and turned into Nick's Seafood. I do remember going to uh, Nick's Barbecue. Nick's Barbecue. That's right. I it was, it was Cold Creek. Cold, Cold Creek, Creek. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cold Creek Barbecue and seeing the space and being like, okay, it's ugly, you know, inside. So we'll, we'll definitely have to gut it and then the process of them lifting a building, putting it on a trailer, and driving it down the road. Um, so they dug out a hole in where we're at now, put a foundation. They backed this house up, this building, and just dropped it on this foundation. So there's actually a crawl space underneath the building. Um, I remember seeing those things, the big milestone stuff, and uh, going in. I also remember helping with the design process of where things are gonna go. So I do remember remember all that.
0: So. Did you, I'm trying to remember because yeah, when it was getting built, the actual brewery side, so that, that was more of the, the tap um, room. The tap room. Yeah. And so the actual brewery side with, and it's so funny because I don't, I don't even know now how many, like you started off with.
1: We started with, yeah, four 15 barrel fermenters. And now what do you have? Uh, we have four 15s, three 30s, uh, two sevens and two twos. And then we're about to get, I think uh, a 30 barrel bright tank, which is just a, a, a way to clean beer up. And I think that's it. We might be, grab another one. So during that transition, I, I don't think this might be skipping ahead a little bit. Um, we were producing 16 barrels a month at the old location. So a barrel of beer is 31 gallons. So we were producing a, a little, a, almost 500 gallons, roughly, you know, roughly 500 gallons a month. Uh, I think yesterday they brewed 900 gallons, <laughs> you know, yesterday.
0: So, Yeah. Well, before we get into that, cause I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, I want to talk about the candy. Line, yeah. But when, so now that it's growing, cause I do want to tag onto this. So how did you approach the hiring yeah. now? Because now you are sort yeah. of running out of the family and friends, right? You're yeah. starting to go in that scope. And so, for, and I think this is important for lessons learned, especially in our area. And, and even like one of my questions I hopefully have time for is the, the COVID question. But, um, so how did, how did you approach the hiring process at that point now that now that you've grown out of that? Yeah. And that, when we decided,
1: um, talking with Tim and Jason, I think they understood the scope of what we were about to do. And I don't know, it was probably their idea that like, we want you to be part owners um, of the new place of third planet Two, And it would be, you know, the mothership and that's the launch pad. And with that came more responsibility. And, you know, they said, you know, we want you to be in charge of hiring and firing. Um, fortunately with that transition, we did know people, we knew regulars, we knew, you know, I knew you, um, you know, Marissa, uh, um, Will Sanders, Marissa, Amanda, I mean, all these people that had been coming in for a couple of years and we did some interviews in the launch pad previous to opening the mothership. So once we opened, you know, we had a staff ready to go. Um, I, I took this test once and it, you know, tells you your strengths. And and one of them is, uh, so my, my top one is connectedness, connectedness, adaptability, and then futuristic thinking are the top three. And I, the interview process, I, I try and keep it informal because, you're in an informal environment for, for lack of a better term. You're not in a desk, you know, office environment. Right. Yeah. I want to know, can you hold a conversation with me? Right. Um, can you talk about beer a little bit? We can always teach beer knowledge, but mm-hmm. I can't teach you how to um, be behind the bar and, and have a conversation. That has to come naturally. And it has to be, uh, you know, appropriate. And you have to, <laughs> you know, I want to see if I'm going to, I hate the term boss, but if I'm going to be the one that is leading you day to day, um, how do you have that conversation um, with me? Because if it's crude and you think you're being funny, I'm like, all right. Then. Right. If you're doing that with me, right. And the the culture that we've created is not that. It is not a a bar culture. Um, it's brewery taproom culture.
0: So did you ever? Because at one point, I don't I don't know if it's true now, but at one point, it was very touted because like everybody had a degree, at least mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree, yeah, that worked there. Um, was that part of the process no. or did it just come about no. that way organically?
1: just came about. So the thing is it's, it's most people's second job. Right. And you know, we're in an area that highly educated area and people just want to do something different for, you know, Friday, Saturday night. And there were times when we could do that. Now I, I, I love the people that can work four to five days a week and, you know, trying to transition over now to get people more career oriented mm-hmm. rather than just a, a secondary job. right? Um, so that was never a, all right what's your degree in right i I have a degree in art how does that qualify me Um, but that's important
0: because like what you said actually rings true from a a larger business standpoint is well there's sometimes depending on what you're applying for a necessity of a hard skill right or technical skill when you're in a customer service industry and or like can bridge the gap from a technical standpoint you have to have those soft skills like you have you can't teach soft skills as much as you can technical side yeah so if that, if that comes natural, especially in that instance when it, there's a little bit of education there, because people come in and they're like, well, I sort of like this. And you're like, okay, how do I transition that knowledge and go, well, I think these three, you know, I I write the whole like, we want a top name uh, domestic beer. And then you're like, okay, well, here's the three that are closest to that. Yeah. But have you ever thought about this? Or do you like sweet or do you want like? Yeah. And so I think that's a huge thing to be able to have and hold those kind of conversations. And then like you said, you can build that technical knowledge. I mean, Um, it, it takes a little bit of effort there, but I think the people like you said that you wanted and and ended up hiring had that passion and want to do that anyways.
1: And I think there's a, there's, um, Anthony Bourdain said, you know, those are the intangibles working in service industry. You, he could meet somebody and know if they worked in the service industry, which was interesting. And, and now having been in that industry, I want to make that a priority for my son because I think it's really important to serve. Um, I think it's important to. Uh, humble yourself and i've always said you know the customer is not always right but they should always be happy right so there's there's finding a way around a, a situation with the customer and um your pride doesn't get in the way it's it's you're there be, they're they're doing you a favor by by patronizing your establishment so right. let's make that experience as, as best as possible
0: so as the part time job goes does that play a role cuz one of my questions i always like to ask is like how you build the morale and culture and then have, you know, um, your folks that the personnel that work there like sustained, right? Like, so how do you keep, how do you keep somebody working there for a longer period of time? But I, but you know, I'm hearing that maybe because it's part time, that's not a hundred percent, you know, maybe applicable because
1: it's helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. And, and we're flexible probably to a fault, um, with, you know, I I don't mind if you need a if you can't work, but as long as you get it covered, that's fine with me. That's that's you not being a no call no show. That's you being responsible. You saw your schedule. You can't work it. You find somebody. Um, So I think it's you know if somebody has to do that for two three weeks, that's fine. I'm not frustrated with them that they're not working, Um, as long as you know they maintain that that skill level when they come back. That they will address that when that comes. But maintaining, I I also believe that because you've
0: had some. Trying to remember now how many people have been there since, so Rob's, I, Rob's been in and out for a long time. Brian, Rob the Brewer, yeah, R- Rob
1: Big Rob. Yeah. Oh, he's he was he's like, been there all along, the foundation, and, yeah. yeah,
0: in some aspect. That's what I was saying. He's yeah. been there forever. In oh, some yeah, aspect. He, yeah,
1: he did some serving and then went back to full time brewing,
0: right? Um, and then yourself, Brian, I'm trying to David remember David Day, D- yep
1: Heather Joel Soach,
0: yep, Scotty Heather. Frisbee. Is he still in and out? Yeah, I don't see yeah, him in a yeah. while. Yeah, because he owns a restaurant. Well, yeah, right? he owns organic. Cafe organic. But, yeah, wow. But and but then you, I,
1: I call it we're 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 transitioning to our third family. That's what I I ah. feel it. so um you know the first family when it comes to the mothership is you know the um Charles Wilson you know, my buddy well we had this whole family that was there for a year and a half then slowly some people piece uh PCS and have to leave for another job. They get a better opportunity. That is full time, benefits. I hold on. And now we're on our second family. And now I just I I lost four people because they PCS. They moved. They so now I, we're bringing new people in. And I feel like it's the the um third family. Yeah. So, and I, I I find people. We went up. Uh, my wife and I went up to Casbah in Crestview and had coffee. And the gentleman behind the bar or behind the register. Knew all the product, was super friendly, had never met us. We probably asked questions he's heard a thousand times. Answered him like it was the first. And we had Third Planet stuff on. He's like, oh, I love your beer. And there was like the interview for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, if you ever want to work, let me know if you ever find yourself you know, wanting a job or get into that industry. And he had great references. But it, wow. it was those just informal, once again, intangibles. Yeah. Because we've also had people that we interviewed and they interview great. And then they get in and it's like, okay. You're, you are. Know, yeah. You're good. You're good, yeah, but yeah. I, I just like seeing people in their natural habitat because that's what you're going to get after they get the honeymoon phase of working at a brewery
0: over. Sure, sure. So, um I have always I've always been curious. So, with with the hiring um being a part-time uh, employee, if you will, you you guys for the morale and culture, yeah. Um not only just being informal and friendly and and just, you know, being around people the whole time, but you guys hold a couple of events uh yeah. during the year. What yeah. what are those events that you have going on during the year? So
1: usually um what we've been doing this year one is quarterly staff meetings and those are on Sunday mornings. And what happens is people hang out afterwards too. So we want to be around by, each other.
0: By the way, one of those things I want to say, one of the only places I've ever seen where people work and then they're back there a, a large amount of time. Yes, like <laughs> a large amount of time. Yeah. Like you have the hangout corner where people that yeah. work there just go hang out after the fact. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Um, but we do friendsgiving, So we, we close down on a Sunday and we just host a party and, uh, we have some fantastic bakers and cooks and grill masters and obviously a wonderful, you know, brew team that produces great beer. So right. yeah, that's at your disposal. Uh, we do a Christmas party. We usually do it in January, or February, and we do our gift exchange, you know, the six pack, uh, oh, White I remember Al- I got yeah. in trouble. Yeah.
0: Your, your infamous. Well, it was taking a long time. It, it was. was. I'm like, man, this thing, I'm like, you know, and I couldn't, I didn't really want to leave because somebody could be like, hey, I want to take that. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and take. And like, I think Sue was like sitting in one or two chairs down. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just drinking. She's like, oh, and then like, yeah. <laughs> to and I'm like, okay, well now I'll have to like change this one beer off. We thing we and-
1: have certain instances that happen throughout the year that we'll refer to, you know, like right now we have the tiny s's like conundrum where we went back and it's a great sour beer from Prairie that tastes like Skittles. And I went back and looked at our reports and we sold half the keg, but the keg kicked. So where did all that beer go? And it's because it's so good. We would sample it. We would have it as a shift beer. <laughs> so I call it the tiny asses problem. You're the, you're the, the, the <laughs> conundrum.
0: All right. So <laughs> don't pull a schleife, don't open. <laughs> so you are forever immortalized. Solid. <laughs> Even if it's a small community, it's a very high quality yeah. community. So yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, so a couple of things and I want to, I want to hit the uh, rewards after this because yeah. you guys have, I mean, there's medals all over the wall now, but um, you know, 2020 hit. Yeah. Right. And a yeah. lot of businesses, and this is one of the pivotal questions I like to ask because it has pivot in the name, yeah. but how, how did y'all survive through COVID and pivot to, to do that? And cause I think part of this could be the canning story as well, yeah. right? Outside the yeah. growlers. but can you just, can you just tell me a little yeah, bit about I that? I
1: think um we always did growlers, glass growlers beforehand and they, you know, it's great. We'll sell them. They're a very inefficient way to fill beer. Uh, it just can foam and you got to seal it and label it and crawlers, um, or a can, a 32 ounce can. And I think a month before it was either, I don't know who it probably Tim's idea was like, we need a crawler machine and, and everybody did the research and we bought a really nice crawler machine a month before. So I think it was February. And that seals a can and creates a to go, um, beer that's sold at a little bit of a discount cause you're taking it home. You can't open it on site. Um, we also had the canning line the year previous so we could start canning stuff in 16 ounce cans and and distribute that and get our beer out there. And then we had an online store, very simple for merchandise, not for beer, for merchandise um, through Square. When we were shut down, we were thinking about, I remember we were going to do the Mardi Gras. It was me, Sue and Brian. And we we're like, do we do this? Because COVID was kind of coming through. We don't want to have mass groups of people, but we still want to do this pub crawl. We've got some uh, kickback real quick about doing a pub crawl when COVID is—you know—they hadn't shut everything down yet, but COVID was was rampant. And we're like, fine, we'll stop it. And then the governor shut everything down, and overnight, I think we got together. It was either in the brewery, and we turned our online merch store into an online beer store, mm. and we got that out through social media because. The only place you could get beer was at a restu- uh at a, a grocery store. At this point, all restaurants, all bars were closed. Mm-hmm. We were not a restaurant, so we were uh, just a tap room. Mm-hmm. But we had the ability to can, and we have a beautiful parking lot that can make a big U. And we have mobile tablets, so we just said, "All right, we're going to sell beer to go," and we just pushed that through social media. Um, you know, took all the necessary precautions. Uh, the The tap room just became a hub for canning, and I think in the first three months, we sold like two or 3,000 crawlers. We would just fill them. Right now you fill them the order. Uh-huh. We were filling 50 dank crawlers just to go. You know, right. Then we were filling, we had the, the canning line working, we had everything and we were just to go. And I think Tim said we did 80% of our sales that we would normally do. First month and a half, it was great um, because we were just turn and burn. It was fun listening to music. Kind of, yeah, I had their mask on, took the precaution that we needed to take. Um, but then some, some, we had to up the hourly employees because to make it worth their while they're tipped employees so right. we had to do that we cut back on employees and uh-huh. ones who weren't and they understood that everybody understood hey if i have another job this person doesn't they, right. they can take it it's very family yes oriented you know circle the wagons type of place and after about three months it's like man this is just getting like i miss talking to people the employees are you know missing out on tips you had the ability to tip online but it was a weird concept to tip on a retail order yeah like that um it still kept working. And then we applied uh, the DBPR, met and loosened the restrictions on having a restaurant license. Tim, Brian and Sue went out to Pensacola and met, I forget the guy's name at this point, And they had a, a meeting with all places like us to see what we could do. So we got a hot dog steamer with buns, got a restaurant license, did some hot dogs. We could sell, you know, one hot dog. It didn't matter. It's just, we had the license. Right. So we could open back up with restricted seating. The good thing is 90% of our seating is outside. Right. So they could... Social distance easily, right? Then I believe we got shut down again, and that one was that one was rough because restaurants were open, um, but we still. I'm trying to remember if we had a, a restaurant. I think we had our restaurant list. We had to we had to be open, but people still weren't coming out, even though we were open. But um, we we hired the people back, brought them back and people were getting to, it just wasn't the same. That one hurt a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then fortunately we were able to open up again Yeah, and just, it, it took off. But that, that helped the process for us. Um, how to do an online store, um, how to cam properly, logistics of planning. I mean, it was, it was helpful.
0: Yeah. A lot of people were forced into that, right? They had to think of that or, or unfortunately they, they didn't end up making it. Right. So they had to pivot in some instance. And, yeah, I think some of those lessons learned ended up being some things that have sustained in businesses, just mm-hmm. like you said, right? That yeah, it changed. Oh, about. it absolutely changed the way people people do business. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So, um, so post COVID, so now like you've gone through all this, right? Uh, again, what do we say? Eight years, my math, yeah. terrible. Eight years been open. So now like I'm seeing all these things on social media, and then when you walk in, you have, I mean, how do you know off the top of your head how many you have? I think ten. Ten. Yeah. Medals. Yeah. From different. Yeah.
1: And this is competitions. and I preface with this, all this credit that I'm going to speak to is, is are the brew team past and present. Um, you know, we have some people that left that brewed some beer and, um, but, uh, Brian Detweiler, Robert Weidenburner, uh, Adrian is, is the new guy on the crew, but Greg Dedicke was there, Rachel Brighty, all these guys, um, that helped brew this beer. And we won some, uh, in the beginning, some best in Florida which we won three golds and a silver one runner up in uh, best largest brewery. Um, and it's, it's depending on the barrel size, how much you produce uh, that you were, you know, we we look small, but we're actually a large brewery in comparison to some other breweries. What, what year was it?
0: The 17th fastest growing. Right? Yeah.
1: And that it, it's interesting because we went from brewing 16 barrels a month to brewing 250 barrels a month. So that's a bigger jump than a brewery brewing 25,000 to 30,000. Right. Right? Um, we were 17th fastest growing craft brewery in the country yeah which is great
0: was it 19. what's that what year it was oh yeah i think 19, 19 it was like, like the it.
1: first yeah. year because you know we haven't been on that list since because our, our numbers are right they increase small yeah. unlike unlike other the other years and uh so yeah they won best in florida for honey saison which was no wall farmhouse they won gold for uh cosmic origin which is a bottle mm. uh yeah. mm, sorry <laughs> For uh yeah it barrel was. age, uh, barrel age stout, yep. that one for like barrel age strong beer, they won gold for origins of life, which is a barley wine, barrel age barley wine, and silver for the boggy bayou stout. So those are the first four. That was like the first year, boom, everything came to. Then they did a um a lager competition, best of Florida. We won. I forget if it's. I think it's silver for Pro Sprout, which will be coming out soon. Hmm. Um, like me some pros easy drinking yeah especially towards the, the
0: cooler you know time frame yeah. get into that Oktoberfest mindset that's pretty good
1: emulator um Oh,
0: i thought we were gonna touch that at the end there no that's
1: emulator bad. won silver uh or bronze for doppelbach oh in best of florida
0: oh okay best of florida got it
1: and then recently and there's a couple other bronze and silvers in there yeah but the big one was emulator won gold at world beer cup yes so in beer world the way Brian explained it to me is like that's the Oscars and the Emmys. Yes, there's there are ten thousand entries for one hundred and fifty three categories. There were one hundred and seven different Doppelbachs. It's a dark German lager, mm. and he came to me like a week before they were saying the results. He's like, World Beer Cup is following Third Planet. He's like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. He's like, but that's weird. They only follow two hundred people. Why? Why did they? Follow oh the wow. He's like, I'm just not going to get excited. <laughs> and they live streamed it and my wife and I were watching, and it's funny because I had my phone out ready to film the placing, and then Kimberly had her phone out. I'm like, oh, she's filming, so I'm not gonna film. And they say third place, and they say second place, which was like Eradicator. And I was like, oh, that was so close. And um, you know, at least you tried. And then first place was Emulator. We both stood up and started screaming. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's, it's World Beer Cup, yes. you know? And you get like, you get eight seconds of glory, and then they just go to the next one. <laughs> right? take advantage and i look i'm like you get that and she's like no i thought you were filming I'm like, oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and i call brian i'm like brian are you watching this he's like no he's like i'm out to eat i'm like you want gold you want gold oh man and you could tell he was trying to temper himself because he was out like in a restaurant <laughs> his friends but that's a big deal it's up
0: the table i jump you up. can and,
1: and he might cringe when i say this but you can technically say that's the best doppelbach in the world right now wow. i mean there's beers that maybe not be entered but hey yeah we got the gold it's in it's in our tap room and they can't take it back
0: it's uh, (laughs) no takesy pexies yep
1: (laughs) so the thing is that we that was from november so we didn't have it brewed it's a lager it takes a little while yeah so it drops today actually oh my god i know i'm so Um, yeah (laughs) i may or may not be visiting yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely so we we bottled uh, i think 250 bottles it's a two bottle max and uh we'll see how that goes but it's 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 got gold See, hunt. I'm just waiting
0: until my kids are older, so then I can do, you know, two per kid. And yeah, there by you, that hey, time, it's practically close to 250. Your miles. money is still green, so <laughs> I don't care. Or it's a card, right? Yeah. So Um. So we're getting closer to the end here, and I sort of want to wrap some stuff up. Uh, one of the questions I like to ask is, and and I think you've defined a lot of this just from your experience, but um, and it's it's hard to single this out. But did you ever have a a conversation? in your life? Because I, I again, hard to, to single it out. But that, you know, from a personal standpoint, this one conversation that you sort of, you know, build a lot of that foundational moral and stuff you have, do you mm-hmm. have? Do you have anything that you go back to in your mind that like, it, it just jumps to the forefront? Um, Yeah, I think there's something
1: that that gives me peace. It's very interesting. And I, I really want to give uh, credit, I, I don't know who told me this. And Somebody said it, some people with their lives, they build skyscrapers. They focus, and I probably have said this to you before. they build skyscrapers, and that's amazing. they're They're focused, they're driven on the one thing, and they build this big, tall, beautiful career, personal life, whatever it is. And then other people build jigsaw puzzles. and that just it resonates with me because i I have scattered interests, and you don't know what that piece will do, will influence or or show up and where it will be in the the whole puzzle of your life, as corny as that sounds. But you start to see this picture emerge, and that's okay, too. Right. I think we have a tendency to try and build up skills that we're like mediocre at, even though we have skills that we're really good at. Mm-hmm. And n- focusing on those, yes, you know, work on some things, make yourself proficient. But if you're really good at something, find the best way to express it and the best way to use it for your benefit, for your family's benefit, um, and, and for the people around you's benefit. Uh, I, I am not... I can connect with people. I can adapt to situations. I feel like I deal with stress. I'm not an organized person. I'm not a detail oriented person. We have people at the brewery that are uh, obsessed with spreadsheets and love that. And I'm great. Like do that. If you're on our team, we're working together. I think Richard Branson said, you know, find the people who do what you do, but do it better and hire them. Absolutely. Um, It sounds kind of (laughs) lazy say it, but I think, when you have that that group mentality like we have at Third Planet, everybody's playing their roles, it's okay that I'm not the most detail-oriented person. Not because I think that so-and-so is going to pick up the slack, but because they may not be good in the area that I'm good at, and we're relying on each other. It, a, it's symbiotic.
0: There's a couple of people, like Barry Drake is one of the things I can think, yeah. or people I can think of, but they're very much like the jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Oh, right. That's yeah. by the way, there's a second verse. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's one of those things. Cause yeah. I, I love that life, a very, very similar yeah. life to that. Right. So, and I would almost say I was, I was taking a class and there was a big T and they said a lot of leaders, um, you know, are, are representative of this big T and the T is um, so again, a letter T not, not yeah. drink tea, yeah. um, letter T and you have two or three things you're really good at. And that's that basis, that yeah. stem that forms a T and then you have a myriad of other things that form that top of the T that you're mediocre at or whatever. Yeah. And like that forms a really good leader and a successful person. Mm-hmm. And it's very much along those same lines. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful skyscraper. Yeah. It just means that there's more of an array that enables you to be successful yeah. when you have more of that T. Um, yeah. And I just think it's when you're defining
1: success that it's. Oh, a, boy. That's a whole other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I, <laughs> I uh, that's it. Um, I had a whole so when I used to do my my professional development and I used to literally I had a slide. How do you define success? Cause some of it's monetary, some of it's family. So I mean, you there's a whole yeah. spiel about about that. But I and what I, I guess what I mean by that is to fit fit the like, don't like kick yourself, you know, if if you're not just, hey, I'm a hundred percent at one. And even um John Maxwell talks about that, which there's some controversy, not controversy, there's some conflicting information about. If I'm really, if I'm, if I'm 60% at this thing, um, and 30, 30 or whatever at these other things, that 60% thing, I, it will be more valuable to myself and the business. If I get that 60% up to a hundred yeah. compared to those, trying to get those other 30% yeah. up to 40%. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's sort of along the same lines as like, I'm, I feel like I'm really good at one or two of these other things. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing these yeah, other, 100%. and that's the problem is I think people go, nope, I just need to quit those. And maybe those yeah. thirty or forty percent things are, are passion items or humbling or whatever. Yeah. And that's how they like, you know, they de stress or whatever yeah. else. Home brewery, for instance, yeah. right? I'm not fantastic. I'm yeah. not mean you can make alcohol. But, right, yeah. right. You can make alcohol and I'm not great, but I love doing that. That doesn't mean like, oh, I'm quitting my job and I'm just gonna, you know, be a full time brewer I'm forever. Get better, yeah. Right. And then you go home. Yeah, you know, Then you're walking across the streets <laughs> Yeah. anyways. Um so so that was, that's great. And I think that, so I usually ask from a personal professional standpoint, do you have anything along those lines from a professional standpoint? Or would you say that sort of ties in?
1: I feel like that ties in. Um, and I, I was trying to go back and, and think about the professional conversations. Um, just the people that, it's not so much a conversation, but the mentality, it's the actions speak louder than words. Watching, um, you know, the McCools interact with their community and, and bringing Brian and myself into the fold and watching my father stay late when somebody showed up right before they closed and stayed at half an hour with them, even though it means that, you know, I got a half an hour late. He knew that spending time with those people is going to benefit the business. There go benefit the family. hundred percent. Um, so it's, yeah, just, uh, I I guess, I guess that, yeah, that would really be it. It's just noticing and, and taking stock and being grateful. Um, through the people that I've I've come to know in this business.
0: What so I'm I'm, I have like two more questions yeah. here. So what would you say that you value most in life right now? Um my son and my wife. Family.
1: Hundred percent. Straight up. I never I held one baby before my son. I did not like babies. Uh as soon as he was born, I was like, This is the reason I'm here. 100%. No, <laughs> no doubt in my mind. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I never changed a diaper. And they're like, oh, he needs... And I'm like, <laughs> I got it. Uh, yeah. It, it's to see the leaps and bounds. when I go home, he's probably said four words that I, I've never heard him say before. Um, yesterday, Kimberly... Yesterday or two days ago. Two days ago, Kimberly brought him into the tap room. We're family friendly, by the way. So it's not some weird, you know, child running crosswalk. And... She brought him in and he saw me and he ran across the tap room and gave me a huge hug. And I'm like, I don't care how crappy of a day I've had or mm-hmm. who's yelled at me or if I disappointed some that makes up for it. Yeah, yep. for sure. No, I, and and they are, they are, I, I'm not a huge fan of confrontation. I don't shy away from it, but if somebody, uh, and I say, I use the word threatened, not in a violent way, but threatens the business that we're a part of in, in our livelihood, you know, outside alcohol, um, being inappropriate work. And it's really, it could be uncomfortable to approach them to correct their behavior. I just think of Kimberly and Kairos. That's, and it, boom, that, that nervousness goes away. This is for them to keep this place going, to keep this place thriving, to keep this place family friendly, to have a good reputation because it's not just my reputation. It's, it's their reputation too. Right.
0: That's great. Oh man, that's, that hits that hits home, as you can tell. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> time times x amount. Yeah. Um, uh, so so okay. I think we've we've got to the point now. Yeah. It's the the final question. Okay. A special question, and it's so funny because you didn't get to. I know. The, I was like, I, Before I was like, yes. I was like, I got to look at this.
1: Nope. with The special. I, are they different or the same?
0: They're the same. Oh. And right. it's because you know, well, if people listen to it, that's fine. They have more time to think about it. But you know, maybe I'll switch it up just to surprise people. But um, one of the questions I thought about because it's it's a unique factor in, and. I just, I'm going to ask you, and it's now knowing your, your story, it'll, it'll be interesting, but how many beds have you slept in, in your life? Oh, wow.
1: I mean, what defines a bed? This is like, this is pre- like in a room, in a bed, like this. Okay. Uh, so, well, cause my trip, I slept at 40 different people's houses. So there's 40 right there. I, I'm going to say a hundred.
0: So it's it's interesting. So when I've asked this question to other people. So I asked my cousin, right, who's the music producer. Yeah. His first initial thought was like, wait, by myself? Like, right? Like, yeah. you know, so the funny thing. Yeah. Uh and then and then Jim was very much like, holy crud. Like he's like, I can't think. He's like when I was overseas and I backpacked yeah. this, he was in the military, he's moved and, he, and he's like, I don't know, you know. And and so it's interesting because it's not really the answer um, yeah. Is not really the numeric value, yeah. it's the journey your mind goes on when you yeah. start answering that question. So luckily, you know, we're fortunate with our conversation that those triggered early on, right? Yeah. You start talking about the walk, yeah. and so we, we went through your history, but a lot of people, they, it, like, you have to start going back, and you go, okay, well, I spent, when I was a kid, I went over and had some sleepovers, and then I'd go on, like, maybe a high school oh, yeah. trip or a college trip, and then, like, you it just start like you go way more i guarantee it's over 100 frames (laughs) i know and i'm like (laughs) i guarantee i'm
1: like oh wait no i did travel yeah yeah i did have sleepovers
0: and it just becomes astronomical but it's neat because out of all the questions you can ask somebody it's a really neat thing to watch somebody's mind start going through that journey yeah because it just hits all these trigger points and then sometimes it's really interesting because people start thinking about it and it'll it'll they'll stop because they'll like Oh man, I remember sleeping there. And then they go down the path of like when I was there and blah, blah, blah. And so they sort yeah. of forget the rest of like, but it's, it's cool to see that. And like I said, I think we were fortunate enough to have the conversation. A lot of that was triggered during, yeah. um, that's like, just a bathroom on the floor of a restroom <laughs> count? numbers are going to way up I know, real quick. I'm so interested to see how many people are going to beat that one, yeah. the, the sleep on the floor. Um, but that's yeah. So so I guess, you know, the biggest thing before we before we close it, uh, which first off, I'll thank you yeah, thank you very no, much. This and this is awesome. Uh, thank you for for talking about Third Planet as well. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to, to sort of add at, at the end here? Uh,
1: no, I, I relish in the opportunity to, to speak about these things all at once. Usually um, something will come up and I get to, to kind of go back and think about something in a small facet or one situation. I never really get to put it all together and see it as a timeline which is really interesting because I think I need to do that I think I need to go back look at pictures start developing a timeline because there's a lot more there and I think a lot more that I could probably draw from yeah uh, than I remember I'm very used to just living right now I'm like oh yeah I did that yeah and you know where was I going before that that event and so no I thank you for the opportunity to to do this
0: right and don't forget so it's not a selfish thing right so, so people can learn right the whole thing people add value experiences yeah. is, is you add value to others even though you may not know it and yeah. it doesn't have to mean that it's self-fulfilling it's just something that happens yeah. by the nature of telling your story yeah right? that's the whole point of
1: it. Yeah, yeah yeah no it's great and it just yeah drives me to to make sure i jot things down so my son can you know know the life his father lived awesome yeah before he was here well I'll, so I'll, hopefully this will be
0: good so <laughs> well thanks Fran for coming on people yeah. on value experience Thank And you until um, next time yeah. cheers